your health is important, your relationship to the material realm is important, your relationship to society and to the globe is important, and that should be connected and aligned with your spiritual practice, with your inner practice, and your relationship with other people. You're listening to Let's Be Omnist, the show where we are celebrating spiritual diversity, one truth and one story at a time. I'm your host, Michael Anthony, spiritual life coach and intuitive reader from thedivinerlife.com. Welcome to season two, episode 16. I hope you are all enjoying this magical time in history with all the staying at home and binge watching Netflix and eating copious amounts of junk food. And suddenly I'm hoping that that's not just me. Luckily, I'm here to bring you another episode to break up the monotony of it all. And who better than the insightful, the hysterical, the one and only Mantis. For those of you that don't know Mantis by name, you would probably recognize him for either his immaculate Instagram grid of tarot photos or for his super funny TikTok videos. You may also remember seeing my review of his book, The Truly Easy Tarot, in the April 2020 copy of Diviner Magazine, The Truth Issue. Mantis is a mystic and a tarot reader hailing from the Southern California desert. Most of his practice revolves around collective offerings and motivational readings aimed at spiritual awakening. He also has a private tarot practice where he seeks to guide people through their spiritual journeys, life cycles, and personal empowerment. He is a big believer in humor, beauty, and mystical awe in the path of evolutionary growth. In his work, Mantis highlights the interconnectedness among the individual, the collective, and the cosmic, using that as a framework for mental, emotional, and spiritual development. And of course, as I stated before, he is the author of the brand new book, Truly Easy Tarot, Simple Readings and Practical Teachings, and that is available now wherever books are sold. Today in this chat, Mantis shares about his upbringing in a house filled with Christian philosophers, his current connection to the desert of Southern California, and how all of this ties into his belief in evolutionary mysticism. If you don't know what evolutionary mysticism is, don't worry, I didn't know either, and Mantis does an amazing job of explaining that for all of us. Before we dive into this conversation, I'd like to remind you that my show, Let's Be Omnist, is funded by my work at thedivinerlife.com, the members of my Club Divine family, and of course, my podcast patrons. If you love Let's Be Omnist, and let's be honest, we all know you do, head over to thedivinerlife.com slash podcast to learn how you can become a patron today. Now go ahead and grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, a cup of whatever you'd like, because in the spirit of truth and honesty, here is my conversation with Mantis. So welcome Mantis to Let's Be Omnis. I am so excited to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. I am ecstatic to be here. Thank you for having me in your beautiful, sacred space. I'm so excited to be here, finally. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, when we did that like brief healer highlight a few months back, I feel like, was that months ago? Anyway. It was months ago. <laughs> when we did that discussion, I remember thinking at that time, we really need to spend more time like chatting with each other because I remember yeah. thinking, wow, we have a lot to talk about. I, yeah can't contain this into one yeah. conversation. <laughs> right. And we only had like six, seven minutes for our conversation part because of the 10 minute limit on IGTV. And yeah, it wasn't enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to take this opportunity 
to get to know you, to share more. Um, so let's just start off by giving the listeners a chance to hear from you. Who are you? What do you do? What's your thing? Well, thank you. I am um, Mantis. Um, I wear a couple of hats. <laughs> I am a mystic. I live in the desert, and that's a big part of my practice. I am a writer. Starting started off writing, you know, online blogs on my Instagram, writing spiritual things, uh, and then writing tarot. Um, I am a creator, creating a book right now, which we'll talk about. I'm creating an oracle deck. I create readings and collective readings and offerings for for everybody. And yeah, you know, just a spiritual guy trying to a guy trying to make a difference in the world. I think that's really interesting to hear you say writer because you said writer and I was like, is he going to use the word author? I know the book is still new, but <laughs> like, I wonder if he claims that title yet because I know you've always blogged and you've always written like really beautiful things, even just on like Instagram oh, captions. So you. to hear, it's going to be really interesting to watch you potentially transition that title over to like, Oh, I'm also an author. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I did claim it. I did claim it on my profile. Like I put, I changed, you know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, I was just like to think of writer as the underlying, um, you know, skill. And, yeah. Yeah. I think creator is also a good like overall title. It just kind of yeah. covers everything. It's a, it could be a bunch of things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> before we dive into more to like your projects and more specifics about what you do, let's dive a little bit deeper, get to know you a little more personally. We're going to play a quick mm -hmm. game of two truths and a lie. Okay. Are you ready? So yes. share your two truths, one lie. I'll do my best to figure it out. Apparently, Scorpio moons are lie detectors. So yes, here we yeah, go. I, I'm pretty sure you're going to get this. Like I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, he's going to get these. All right. So first one, I have lived in the desert for 16 years. And then the next one is, I used to speak in tongues. Okay. And then the other one is, some of my ancestors are Dutch Amazonian fishermen. Dutch Amazonian fishermen. Mm -hmm. um, I feel <laughs> extremely uncultured if that's a thing, because I'm assuming that those are not common to come together. <laughs> I'm also like, well, I used to speak in tongues and sometimes I still think that I do if I think about it hard enough. So I don't want to call that a lie because it's totally possible. I'm going to say Dutch Amazonian fisherman is the lie. <laughs> oh, that is true. That's your truth? Yeah, that okay, is the wait. truth. So like my dad is uh, from the Amazon part area from a state there. And, you know, he, he grew up in, you know, we're, we're fishermen. That's what his people did. And um, the Netherlands conquered some parts of South America when oh. they were trying to battle, like, the French and the Spanish and the Portuguese for a little bit of the cake. And so parts of the Amazon had uh, strong Dutch influence or populations. Uh, and my dad tells me that his half of ancestry was... Dutch that had settled in the Amazon and they were fishermen like at that point. So it's, it's true. <laughs> With your like super dark features and I know, don't you, do you speak more than one language? I do. I say more than one because I don't think it's two. 
<laughs> yeah, I speak Portuguese and I speak Spanish not as well, but you know, I've I've actually studied it and said things. I'm I dabble in a couple others. But okay. Yeah. Because like with that, knowing that about you and then also like seeing all your dark features on like Dutch. The what? Blonde haired, blue eyed. Yeah. Mm, I don't see it, but there have been other influences over <laughs> after that. <laughs> surprise, surprise. So that means that you Oh, I was going to assume that that also means that you speak in, you've spoken in tongues. I didn't. That's the lie? Yes. Oh, man. Ah, uh, I did this right. <laughs> okay, that's a really good th- lie then, because from what I know of your background, I would have just been like, okay, that kind of makes sense. So let's just use that then as a stepping stone to explain maybe like what your spiritual background is so mm-hmm. that I can understand that a little bit more. Yeah, so... um. I was raised in a very religious, but scholarly religious family that was in Brazil. Uh, that's where my family comes from. And there, most people are Catholic. And up until recently, like up until the 90s, when there was a boom in evangelical populations, Brazil was like 95% Catholic, something crazy like that. We, by that time, we, my, my brother and I were born, we were already third or fourth Protestant. Oh, okay. Uh, there, which, you know, meaning we were very, for you to be Protestant in Brazil for a while, that was uncommon. And you had, and you were a very religious, dedicated person. To clarify, um, were you living in Brazil? Yeah, well, I came here when I was younger. But yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so a family like that, very dedicated to Christianity. We were at first, uh, at first, um, we were Pentecostal, like Assemblies of God. Mm-hmm. Actually, my mom and my dad met at a seminary at a Bible school where my dad was training to be a pastor, and my mom was his Old Testament teacher. Oh, okay. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so that's, that's my background. We were, like, my dad's office was covered wall-to-wall with books on theology, philosophy, geography, history, biology, all kinds of things. Uh, languages like ancient languages hebrew things like that um my mom uh also a philosopher in this you know religious field um a speaker a writer and later on we moved to the presbyterian church that's a little more chill <laughs> as far as gifts and you know yeah as far as the charisma goes it's fine as far as the, <laughs> as far as the charisma that's right uh but they're still pretty strict as far as doctrine and things like that and yeah, so, so that's, that's the um, environment in which I was raised. Yeah, very, uh, very spiritual, and, but also intellectually so, like a lot of discussions around that. Um, which is a really interesting thing to me because I think there is a very large stereotype, especially within like the New Age metaphysical community, where people assume that Christian people or people who like wherever that falls in like catholicism or like a super pentecostal lively church i think there's like this stigma of like the bible is the only book they read do you know what i mean yeah a lot of people are like yeah yeah they just read the bible once and like that's all they care about Mm -mm. so to hear you talk about like your dad's library filled with biology and history and language and all of these very intellectual concepts yeah it sounds like to me that your upbringing wasn't so much on the like woo woo airy like just believe it because side and more of like this here's a foundational basis of like what i believe in 
No, that's exactly right. It was more of a metaphysics idea of spirituality, like God made it, made itself, made himself, as they would say, um, made himself known through a culture and through history. Um, there was a lot of emphasis on that, on historical mm. events and, uh, and how those unfolded. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely lots of books all the time, everywhere. Uh, they were very cultured. So when then did you find yourself um, leaning into the more mystical side of things? Like where did, what, like how old were you or when was that? Or uh, however you want to answer that question. <laughs> so I was just actually just thinking about that, thinking back to um, that part of my life. And I realized that I was fascinated I, and I was really into studying it you know, the Bible and theology with, with my parents, just at home with my dad's books. And I was always fascinated with the uh, prophetic aspects of it, the prophecy, the, the future telling, the oracles, like the esoteric aspects, like the visions that they would have and the number, the numerology uh, mm. that is so prevalent, you know, like, you know, the, both the story of Jesus and the desert and uh, Noah's Ark, they're all 40 days and 40 nights. There's 12 this, 12 disciples. There's 12 of, tribes and 12, 12 tribes. There were the uh, book of revelations. It's full of like mystical, esoteric ideas, like even constellations. I think Scorpio is, is mentioned in the in revelations as the eagle. I've read far too many non-canonical books to remember yeah. what's in and what's not in the Bible. Oh my book. gosh, that's so, so good. I'm like, yeah, there's totally, oh wait, no, that's oh wait, Book no. of Enoch, never mind. That's that is not so good. canonical. I know, right? I haven't gone so that deep into those, but. Um, so yeah, I was really, I, look, thinking back, I was fascinated by that, by Hebrew as a language. I, I sensed that it was a language that carried like spiritual meaning. And now I see that with the Kabbalah and other spiritual practices like that. Back then I didn't know. So that's when I started to get this really uh, strong feel and taste for mystical and esoteric uh, knowledge contained within my religion and, and within the Bible. Mm, okay. So then now... Uh, I mean, I know you, and probably a lot of the people listening to this know you from <laughs> your tarot practice, and you you really know astrology more than, like, I mean, at least I, I perceive that you know astrology more than, <laughs> like, a lot of people. You talk about it in this really interesting perspective. So when did you start diving down into, like, that mm. rabbit hole of things? Astrology, like I would encounter it in like everyone else in the newspaper or in the teens magazine, the or those teen magazines. I would be always looking for my sign or my brother's sign, my mom's sign. I would ask because uh, in Bible school they would talk about signs, saying they were like, "Oh, I know, I remember." Like one of our teachers saying, "Oh, I know, I'm an Aquarius, but that's according to the world. I don't believe in signs." And I found that fascinating mm. and made me want to look for it and see what, what those mean, what those meant. I always looked for it in uh, the newspaper, like I said, uh, and that kind of opened and piqued my curiosity. Uh, but it w and then, you know, through my late teens, my early twenties, it's just something that uh, was on the wayside, not, you know, immediately in my awareness, but so I was kind of like your curious gateway. about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, kind of like superficial, just like, 
not much deep, just checking out my horoscope. Uh, and it wasn't until later when I started studying metaphysics a little more deeply that it started to become more a part of, of my, of my worldview. And I, you know, I don't, I'm not formally trained in astrology. I don't know a lot of the geometric aspects oh, of it to yeah, find same. out what's, what, you know, what is influenced what I'm learning, but I have always had this, uh, conversation with the archetypes of each sign and i've been seeking to understand them through the lens of evolutionary spirituality and that's what's coming through in my practice in my tarot practice that you see that i talk about mm. um, it's that it's it are those developing ideas of astrology as uh, a metaphor and as a an expression of the evolution of spirit through manifest reality through us through our consciousness through our awareness so i, I just yeah. got it so you use the phrase evolutionary i'm so sorry <laughs> evolutionary spirituality, spirituality or 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 mysticism yeah, mysticism was the word I was looking for because I believe that's yeah. what's in your bio on Instagram and I see it all the time. And I'm always yeah. like, I want to ask. What the hell that does means. it mean? <laughs> and at the same time, I'm like, don't ask because you know you want to ask them on the show. So <laughs> can you explain for both me and the listeners what you mean when you say evolutionary mysticism or evolutionary spirituality? Yes, perfect timing for this question. Um, you know, I, evolutionary is a word that I'm seeing uh, used in our um, in our circle, and I think it could mean a couple of different things for for some people. It could mean just that the idea of evolution of the soul, meaning soul development. Mm. Um, for me, it has a more specific aspect in that through evolutionary spirituality, we are opening ourselves and aligning ourselves with the force of evolution as it occurs in the universe and in the cosmos. So this idea, this drive, this idea that spirit from nothingness uh, decided to incarnate as the matter in the universe and from there as mind and from there as so, and then from there back into itself, this eternal unfolding of spirit that is um, a major arc in metaphysics and we can align ourselves through it uh we can align our our lives with it and enter this flow of conscious evolution in which we are diving into greater depth higher states of awareness higher stages of awareness more encompassing more inclusive more loving states mm -hmm. of being following the drive of evolution uh, you know, from the animals, from the plant life, from the animals, I, I believe that spirit has manifested itself through all of life and now through us, through our consciousness, through our awareness. Okay. And now we come to a point where we become one with that force of evolution that's been going on for billions of years because we've become self-aware of it. I we feel like I just sipped a cup of tea at the Mad Hatter's table and I'm like <laughs> stumbling through this weird universe of thought of like oh I feel that oh, it's like a part of me <laughs> uh, that's really beautiful I think you have just verbalized something that so many people feel and have been struggling to verbalize uh so I appreciate that can you maybe help us make it like a little bit more tangible and like 
what does that yes. look like in your practice? Like, how do you um, align yourself to that or how do you integrate that into yeah. what you do? So a couple of ways on the more mystical uh, part of it, you are driving uh, you're deriving inspiration from the evolutionary occurrences of nature. So um, when we think about uh, the Big Bang being a great beginning, we can tap into that force in our lives and as we create and we have new beginnings in our lives. Mm. Uh, as to the endings and the deaths that happen uh, in nature, uh, we can also see that within our own lives, we come into endings and cycles and they are transformed onto uh, something else. So that's one of the more inspirational and mystical uh, part of it. And there's, there's so much you can, you know, you can look into the power of the root, the convergent evolution, everything, uh, things like that, but more on a spiritual practice and life practice kind of, um, kind of thing. We're looking to reach more encompassing, deeper, higher stages and states of awareness. Um, you know, as a humanity, we have come from magical ways of thinking to mythic ways of thinking like religious. Magical, I mean, not like magic, but magical like... Wondrous. Yeah, like think about societies back in like, you know, 5,000 years ago, right? Right, right. They believe that if they, you know, you know um, to mythic religious membership ways of being, we've, we've gone to logic, rational states of being with the event of scientism, um, pluralism, and it goes on. You know, the drive and the, uh, the, the evolution goes on to integral ways of being that encompass all reality and uh, just see beyond everything that we've, we've thought so far. I like that. You're essentially really, really taking to heart the idea of like, as above, so below. Like, it's really this yes. idea of like, I see it happening in nature and therefore yeah. I know that it is possible in yeah. every aspect of life and of energy. Right. And then, there's, so and then there's the cosmic, yeah, the, what we're reaching is a cosmic consciousness. When we are identifying not only as individuals, not only as human beings, we are identifying as members of the cosmic population beyond earth beyond just our planet truly cosmic beings back in one with spirit so I yeah there, there's quite a bit to it and it's something that i'm i'm developing more uh uh my work right now i'm developing those concepts in more, a more practical way that i can that can use in conjunction with the tarot mm. i um i'm reminded of I've been reading a lot by evolutionary biologists lately. So I, I personally yes. really understand what you're saying. Are you Francis Collins? Is that? No, I've been reading a lot by um, E.O. Wilson. Uh, and the only reason is because um, actually it wasn't E.O. Wilson. Uh, J.B.S. Haldane is mm. like another really big, it's um, bug scientists, specifically bug yeah. evolutionary biologists. Yeah. Um, and one of them said, that like if you were to learn anything, I think it was JBS Haldane, said if you could learn anything about the creator by its creation, it's that they have an inordinate fondness for stars and for beetles. And I was like, oh, I get it because there's like so many of them. But it's just interesting to me because I think as I'm reading all these like super scientific books, I'm hearing exactly what you're saying in that like 
if you pause a minute and you want to learn something about the universe or something spiritual, just stop and look at things beyond yourself. Look at what's happening outside. Look at what's happening in the stars. And you'll start to see all of these super big synchronicities. So I say all that to say, I know that nature is also a big part of what you do. And it sounds like it, they kind of lean in and out of one another. And you mentioned that you have like this desert spirituality. Does that all mm-hmm. kind of tie in together or do you see them as separate? No, it, tie, it ties it right in. Uh, the desert is an amazing place, especially if you spent like years here observing and spending time alone in, in the desert, you know, hiking in nature. Because the life forms are fewer. The features of the landscape, they are more dramatic and they're more visible. Things are more isolated. You really have a chance to stop and observe all of these creatures, all of these inhabitants, all of the features that are in the desert. And you develop a relationship with them as time goes by because... um, you could be having a hard time and you're walking through the desert and kind of in desperation. And then all of a sudden you've developed a relationship with the wind that's wrestling against the rocks that, you know, comes as God talking to you. Uh, you may, the, the cry of the morning dove may become something that speaks deeply to your soul and you can develop a meaning Uh, a spiritual meaning to what that means for you. Uh, So all of these things that, and you can see the the forces of evolution here, you know, you can really sense that this place has been here for eons. These little populations of plants, they have been there for like, you know, 50, a hundred years, sometimes a little patch of plants. They've been there for a hundred years. So you can really connect to this ancestral ancient live sense of spirituality that pervades the desert and it i totally connected with uh, my sense of uh, evolutionary spirituality as well yeah that makes a lot of sense when i think of the desert i think of survival (laughs) yeah i think of like like you said the plant life the creatures all the flora and fauna there in the desert are basically like you either survive or you don't and so i think they've really shown large steps of evolution Mm -hmm. so i never really connected those two but like Seeing you talk about it, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I get it, I get it, Good. I see the connection. So you mentioned a few things like the wind in the desert and the morning dove. I know that these are only a few things that stand out to you from the desert um, mm-hmm. because you're currently working on an oracle deck. Yes. Can you tell me like how that process happened and what it's about? Yeah, I've, you know, I've had an artistic side uh, of me and I was trying to do you know, acrylic paintings for a while there and I still have them hanging around the house. Um, but the, I wasn't doing anything for, with that for a while. And um, I'm constantly inspired by the desert. And then when I started to work more uh, closely in the tarot oracle community, I, um, I just felt the need, uh, the idea came to me one day and it was like a download an idea for a uh, an oracle deck that would feature all of these connections that I've developed with the desert spirituality. Uh, so, and, you know, also with my penchant for biology and botany. So I, I developed the idea of creating the a deck with images of the uh, animals and the plant life and features of the desert, such as I the oasis or the split rock or or things like that so i could uh 
continue developing my sense of spirituality in the desert in writing because that's what I do uh, and also to share it because I feel like I felt like it's, it was needed people have this people are drawn to the desert and kind of like you could say that the desert is kind of in right now you see it in, like, in media in the spiritual community I, I feel like people are drawn to here as a source of healing and I just wanted to uh, be able to provide them with a way of having them having the magic of the desert even if they live in a cold snowy place <laughs> anywhere in the world that's a really interesting thing um something that just popped into my head is that at the beginning of the call you talked about some of the things you were interested in when you were still living in the christian philosophy world of academia mm -hmm. and you talked about how like numerology was interesting to you and you mentioned like jesus in the desert for 40 days yeah has that ever come like full circle and back into like how does all of that old knowledge of the desert in previous studies match with like your current studies yeah it's uh re really interesting that you make that connection because um yeah that's i've definitely meditated upon that connection coming full circle Actually, before I started my Mantis Tarot account, I was trying a blog, like a spiritual, like no, no specific topic, just a spiritual blog um, that, you know, I did it for probably six, six months or so. And one of my first articles on there that got any that I got viewers on, uh, you know how it is in the beginning, yeah. uh, was a, um, an article on desert spirituality and how uh, mystics for thousands of years have found the desert as a place of healing clarity, uh, finding prophecy for their lives, transformation, uh, fasting, and that's Jesus of Nazareth spent 40 days in the desert. The Oracle deck will have 44 cards, by the way. I like that number, four connected to the desert. And you see in the, in the emperor card of the tarot, there's a desert back there, right? Yeah. Um, uh, not only that, but John the Baptist was a desert dweller, mystic, uh, and countless other ones in the Old Testament. So, and I, I, I'm, I'm not sure from any other religions or cultures, but I'd imagine it's, you'll find desert, um, desert mystics there. It's certainly a, a place of spiritual discovery. I'm having this thought swirl in my head, but I'm going to ask you before I spit it out to see if it matches. What do you think it is specifically about the desert? that inspires this magic in all of these mystics and all of these, I want to call them like profound people in the yeah. spiritual world. Like, what do you think it is about the desert that inspires them so much? I think it's the sense of emptiness, but that when you start to look close, more closely into it, it's not that empty. It's actually full of life. Um, and I think that mirrors our, uh, our, experiences in life in some way we can think we're barren we can think we have nothing to offer uh, or that we're you know blank uh, but once you start to dive deeper you discover all kinds of life forms in there ready to shine it's the sense of isolation the sense like the the drastic and the dramatic forms the fact that you can stay in the desert alone and just listen to the wind and just yeah, I don't know why, as opposed to a forest, a desert would bring such, uh, such conditions mm -hmm. for spiritual awakening. So um, you're saying it's kind of like uh, it forces you to 
pay attention or like to yeah. be present because there's like less yeah distraction. There's not, yeah, there's just sometimes it's just you and your thoughts and a rock and <laughs> maybe one cactus. You know, <laughs> you really have to go inward. It, it causes you to go inward. Hmm. That's really interesting. Part of me was wondering because of our discussion about evolutionary spiritualism, spirituality. Uh, I was like, I wonder if it's that same energy that forces the life in the desert to survive and adapt and to evolve really quickly. Yeah. That then like inspires the person to have these really big evolutionary moments, like in their own spirituality. Do you know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. What happens to them biologically kind of happens to the person spiritually. Absolutely. And it's the, it's the challenges. It's the difficulty. It's the harshness, right? That causes these creatures to develop into like these superhuman, these like super, superhuman, human is not the word, but super strong, resilient creatures like the creosote bush, the chaparral. Like, I oh, know that you love that plant. I do. That plant, they're everywhere. They're like the most ubiquitous plant here. And they live for like hundreds of years. Yeah. Like, I was reading about so a patch resilient. of them in the desert where it's like the same, it's technically like a plant that lived thousands of years ago and the way that yeah. they reproduce and kind of like come up and create a new bush, that yeah. it's technically this one patch has been there for like over a thousand years in the same yeah. section of the desert. And I'm like, what? There's yeah. thousand year old bushes out in the middle of the desert. How are yeah. they living? Yeah. And through all the hardships, they evolved and they've been able to establish themselves for that long. All the, the hot wind, the crazy rains that hit the desert. Sometimes we get frost. We get this scorching summer sun for so long. We get droughts. We get haboobs. Like um, amidst all of these uh, challenges, uh, they are funneled onto something beautiful. And I think that's what it happens. That's our spiritual connection too for us as our, in our personal lives through all the challenges that we face, through uh, all the hardships that the world throws, throws at us. If we just become still, if we just uh, sometimes just sit there for a while and wait for an answer to come, it'll come and uh, we'll be able to evolve, evolve like those, those creatures did. Mm. Well, I'm really excited. I, I was excited before, but now I'm even more excited thinking about how that energy of the desert is going to show up in the Oracle of the Desert. Mm -hmm. Really, really good. If you had to choose, um, I know, would you say that like Oracle or Tarot is your preferred go-to? Oh, Tarot. Yeah? Tarot. Oracle is my first, was my first. That's how I started with Divination. Well, I started with Bibliomancy, actually back in the day but um oracle is my first actual divination tool and um but then i'm the tarot allows me more precision for myself and when i read for others and how long have you been reading tarot now it's been only like a couple of years if you yeah you say only so a couple three, of years but like i feel like, like you must have really crammed in some study time because yeah you well first i well the tarot provides a structure and a scaffolding that you can use to funnel your own spiritual teachings and message that you've had before right i think that's the magic because that's how we have so many views of the tarot mm. um so like for me it fit into a, a practice that i had already been developing for like pretty much most of my life but then as to the tarot 
structure and theory itself, yeah, I totally crammed. I, I tend to get obsessed over things that I'm studying. I studied a lot. I was studying tarot every day, deep dive for many, many months on a very intense level. Well, obviously yeah. that did some good because now <laughs> you're sharing that with the world. Can you tell me about your new book? A new book. Thank you. Thank you for mentioning that. It's the Truly Easy Tarot. And it's kind of a modern, updated little white book, but it's not little. <laughs> I was like, mm, it is not little. I would not refer to it as a little white book <laughs> at all. No, it's a standard sized book. But it's, yeah, it's, uh, I, I give, uh, I give folks uh, uh, an introduction to tarot, to history of tarot. I share some tips and guideposts on how to develop your interpretation to the cards. And then I dive into meanings of every single card of the tarot. The way I did it is um, I went through a process of distillation where I you know, sat with each of the cards, I researched them, traditional sources, historical sources, and contemporary sources of meaning plus, you know, my own view on what they meant, uh, and then distill those into a handful, like five or six keywords or key phrases for each card, both upright and reversed. Okay. And then uh, you take those, and those are applied on a series of examples on how they uh, would show up on real readings or uh, practical situations. So yeah, and it's just two pages for each card. So you have your meanings upright and reversed, and then you look to see examples of how they could be applied. And then I give you 20 spreads uh, of different complexities and different areas of life for you to uh, practice. So it's easy. It's called truly easy because it's easy to access. It's easy to read and hopefully without compromising on depth. Um, I want you to get a good feel of what those cards mean when you read them. Well, I can say I, I may or may not have uh, had the privilege to look through it. Um, I can say that it is very, it is so easily digestible and it's easily understood. It is not complicated at all. But I don't want to say that and take away from the fact that it is saturated. Like the, the word distilled, when you said that word, I was like, that is the probably the best word that you could use <laughs> uh -huh. because it really is like you took all of this really difficult to understand concept and you were just like all right here it is layman's terms don't overcomplicate it it is what it is and i don't think that you really left anything out or you missed anything like you truly kind of hit all the important points so thank you michael that <laughs> that was my that was my intention that hearing that from you just uh just uh, that's actually the whole reason you wrote the book, right? Is yeah. You my review. <laughs> um, I do. I do want to ask you, it sounds like you really channel your like research, your study, your very logic based approach to things um, mm -hmm. into the tarot. But do you find that in your own readings, when you're like working with people or working with yourself, that you lean more towards traditionalism or are you like free flow in your practice? So I do a little both. I, I like to ground my readings on the logical aspect. So I'll start, um, like if I'm reading and interpreting a card for somebody, most likely I will explain to them 
uh, an aspect of that card, of the meaning of that card, of that structure of that card that I'd like to highlight that I think is connected to their issue or to their question. Uh, you know, each card can have a couple of different meanings, like traditionally or, you know, according to like books or, um, and each card also has different neurological, astrological, elemental, uh, and symbolic associations. So whatever I think is speaking, I use those, I let those swim around in my consciousness as whatever of those is speaking to me, to that person, to that issue at that time, I'll explain that to them and I'll explain the card. And from there, I will put an intuitive later layer and, um, explain to them how it applies in their lives. Or sometimes depending on the situation, I'll just be more intuitive and just, uh, let it go, let it flow. Just tell them what I think. Um, I like to play around with that too. Okay. Okay, good. I like when readers are balanced. I think that's one of the things that I personally look for. Not to say that like my answer is the be all end all, like I'm not the elitist, <laughs> but I really do enjoy when people can just relax. And I think um, even when you are talking structure, I'm always like, wow, he really is just kind of feeling it. Like you can tell there's this strange um, blend of the two. So I was just curious, like what it actually feels like from your end. Yeah. It's rather solar, right? Um, it's a solar, like, you know, a lot of tarot reading is lunar. Like it's a more mm. the intuitive moon energy, uh, um, without association to gender, uh, feminine, right. Um, type of vibe. And I do have that, and you know, that's something that I, I balance my uh, readings with. But a lot of the times I, I, I go, I start off with a solar, uh, more structure-based, rational-based, historic um, view of the cards. And from there, I use that as a jumping point to fine-tune with the, with the intuitive side. It's like every time you say something, I suddenly recognize the little pieces of you that I'm like, <laughs> oh, right, all that makes sense. Like you love talking about being an Aries. You're always talking about the desert. And so like now yeah. just to realize also that your tarot reading approach is also super solar. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, course. there's a sun and there's a sun on the, on the uh, art, cover art of the Truly Easy Tarot. There is. And I did not, I had nothing to do with that. That's so funny. And so, the book will be uh, released on the day of the Aries, Aries sun and Aries new moon. And I had, nothing, so I had nothing to do with that, too. All right. Well, it seems like the tarot <laughs> needed a little sunlight. And it's like, like <laughs> just some fire energy. And you're the one to do it. Yep. Um, is, is there like one, one or two, or however many, I don't care. Is there like a card or two that really stand out to you that you felt like uh, when you were writing your book or when you were distilling the information mm -hmm. that you really kind of felt a pull to say, mm, no, this card is not about that. Some of them with more nuanced concepts were harder to pin down, like temperance. I struggled a little with, with the devil um, because I didn't want to take away from the severity of the energy of the devil. You know, it's, it's strong stuff. It's powerful shit, you know? Yeah. Um, I didn't want to sugarcoat it, um, but also I didn't want to paint the devil as a, um, an evil card, a scary yeah. card. So on the, on the book, like you look at the meanings of the devil, like you look at the keywords, you may be like, Ooh, this is not, this is not fun. But then when it comes to the explanation of, in the reading and context section, 
then you see that it's about freedom and liberation. So there were a lot of negotiations like that. Um, yeah, and there were some meanings of certain cards that I just completely did away with. Anything that I thought wouldn't apply to people in a variety of situations, a lot of personality trait stuff. That makes sense. Um, a lot of like specific, uh, specific life event meanings. Uh, let me see if I can think of an example. Like uh, the four of wands, some readers will read that as a marriage, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And I forgot how I have it here. And I worded it as a celebration or as a milestone. So I took it away from a very specific meaning that would most definitely not apply to a lot of people to something that can be more collectively ethical. Hmm. Um, okay. I appreciate that. I think that that's kind of the way that the tarot is going these days. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of people getting rid of gender titles and um, yeah. totally changing meanings and just like adding color to the deck, which is so important. Um, so that's kind of where I was going with like, did you find that you wanted to change something traditional? Because uh, I think that that's kind of what's happening right now. Like everything's yeah. changing. The, the court cards definitely did away. The, the, the whole book is, I removed uh, references to gender, um, except for the divine feminine, divine, divine masculine, uh, but that's not gender, right? That's an energy for this, the emperor, emperor and the empress. But yeah, the court cards, none of them mean some type of person in your life. It, you know, I indicate that it could mean somebody that has that kind of energy, but like nobody with certain physical traits, you know, right? Um, or gender, anything like that. No. Was your journey with the court card similar to most people's journey where it was like difficult to grasp or different, difficult to like pin down? Because I feel like you had a really, uh, I don't want to say easy because I don't want to downplay your tarot path, <laughs> but I really feel like you picked it up super easy. So I'm curious if your court card process was the same court cards you know it wasn't that from the beginning i think i i was blessed to hear somebody say that they were levels of embodiment of the energy of their suit so they're just like you know stages of growth uh, in an area of your life and that so that kind of made it so that i could use it in interpretations a little more easily when i tried to use it as somebody else in your life when i was reading for others it did not resonate a lot so i had a lot of experiences when i was reading for people and i was like oh you had a woman in your past that was influencing your life in such a situation they're like mm, you know you just get those looks and grunts yeah so i had that that I took that away from my reading style. Um, so I did struggle with it in that sense. And I um, uh, also did struggle with it uh, about what it means like in the future in certain positions. But then, you know, over time I was able to develop a meaning or type of meaning. Yeah, it was complicated about all of the cards, most definitely. Mm. Okay. It's a, good, uh, it's a good way to look at it too. I don't think a lot of readers vocalize that, that it's like stages of, learning or stages of growth and um yeah. i find that when i'm teaching somebody and i say that to them they're like oh so why am yeah. i reading like 20 books about how to read the court not to say they're bad books yeah read them by all means but like yeah once you figure that out it's like oh duh yeah i got this um and what another, i'll share another little trick with the court cards you can also mean for me a, a type of time period for example the queen of cups uh in your past and your present and your future or whatever it could mean it could 
telling be telling you the flavor of that time period in your life. So Queen of Cups is water of water, right? Deep emotions. You're deep in the realm of your emotions. Sometimes you're neck deep in your feelings. Uh, you're you're trying to trudge through um, sometimes difficult emotional realities. So, for example, if you get the Queen of uh, Cups in your in a future position, it could be meaning oh, you're going to be going through a deeply emotional time in your life in which. Uh, everything will be colored by your intuition, by your emotions and, and your feelings and your relationship to other people. That's another uh, way that helped me uh, crack them. That's a really, I'm going to try that and see how that works for me. Yes, experiment. I've never done that before. What would you say has been like one of the greatest lessons that you um, have taken from your, either your tarot journey or your desert journey? Like what has been one thing that like really stands out to you the most? Um, that spirit speaks through us, through everything. The universe is informational. You, you would see it as information. That, yeah. Like you're that reading it. Maybe like my Gemini moon yeah. uh, coming through. <laughs> but the universe is informational from the, from the lower levels, you know, looking at subatomic particles. And though they contain information, either if it's just yes or no, and but it doesn't stop there all of reality all of the universe is speaking communicating in one way or another and events and synchronicities in our lives are simply um a result and a part of these uh this informational aspect that's at the lower stages of the universe so the tarot is a way to connect um with that you know i think that Spirit's hands somehow are involved in the cards that are drawn and the messages that are coming through. Um, so yeah, tarot for me like connects me deeply with uh, with the workings of the universe, and that's that was one of the most life changing lessons for me. Mm, I really like that. Um, you're really building a more logical, uh, and I keep using the word logical, and I don't think that's the word I'm trying to say. More like cerebral approach to the universe mm -hmm. than I usually take, and I appreciate that. It feels very grounding like okay much closer than you think yeah. it's much more palpable and yeah. tangible as you think uh i appreciate um, that in the evolutionary thought and if anyone is curious to read more about the evolutionary stuff read ken wilbur Ken wilbur is my favorite author and he's a, a contemporary philosopher that created a map of reality and that's what i'm talking about and um he he's uh inviting us to evolve into the integral way of thinking so we have logical that was like the scientific like level and then we had pluralists that's you know the up to late 2000s that's where society was going now we're being invited to the integral perspective that sees each stage of our growth sees the logic of things sees the science but also sees the spirituality sees the mysticism uh, and that's what i'm trying to do here so that's why i bring these themes of science of the universe and bring them in with the sense of spirituality because i'm trying to make it whole i like that i really i'm gonna go to the library i'm gonna check out the <laughs> bookstore i'm gonna check all those out done um, I do have to let you go here shortly, but mm -hmm. before I do, I want to ask you if you, if someone were to listen to this and they're kind of on a similar path, they're headed in a similar direction, what would you say is your one piece of advice that you would give to them to kind of help them on their journey of evolution, we'll say? Don't compartmentalize yourself and the parts of your life. 
your health is important. Your relationship to the material realm is important. Your relationship to society and to the globe and to the life systems of the planet is important. And that should be connected and aligned with your spiritual practice, with your inner practice and your relationship with other people. So um, don't isolate, just think just because you're, you're being spiritual or mystical, you need to isolate yourself or that you need to deny uh, other parts of yourself, such as your need for logic and knowledge and things like that. Yeah, just look at everything as a whole and uh, try and, and, and you know try to bring yourself together in an integral fashion. That, that would be my advice. And continue, continue striving for higher stages of of awareness. I love that. That's really beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I every I don't know what it is about the way that you present things that just makes me really feel um heard or like you're pulling parts of what i thought that i knew and like <laughs> taking him out and saying like hey guess what you do know this i'm like you're right you do I do know that so thank you for that you if people <laughs> if people want to feel more of that to learn more from you become your new best friend uh what's the best way for people to find you you can find me on instagram it's uh at mantis underscore tarot that's where I have most of my offerings for now. And then uh, you're welcome to visit my website uh, where I have a lot of my content and I'm uh, developing a uh, learning center for tarot there. Uh, it's mentistarot.com. Yeah, I'm, cre- I'm like, spending a lot of time creating a lot of cool things where people can find my tarot meanings and things like that. Um, and then I am also on Patreon and I, on there I offer uh, tarot deep dive tarot courses right now i'm doing a course on the numerology of the tarot how to uh, learn to read the, the cards using their numerological associations so and that's on patreon.com slash mantis tarot great i totally forgot that you were doing that i should have asked you more questions about that but um, oh we've talked about plenty of my things <laughs> I, uh, I see it and i see it happening and i've uh, seen people responding to it and i i know that it's great so definitely check Thank out you. It's a good one. And if people want to buy your book, that's available on? Uh, it's available on um, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, Target, uh, for now, uh, online. And there's a link on my uh, profile, on my mm-hmm. Instagram, on my link tree. So I invite uh, folks to go to my Instagram, mantis underscore tarot, and click my link tree and click on my book. Um, okay. And then you'll help me out that way. Well, I will make sure that I include a link to your book in the episode notes as well. So if you're listening, check out the episode notes, go get yourself a copy of the book. Like I said, I may or may not have read it already. It's (laughs) amazing. It's not a secret. He did. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I appreciate you. you taking time to talk to me and I'll talk to you soon. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me here again. All right, all right. That was my conversation with Mantis. Thank you again so much for chatting with me and sharing so much insight into your world and all of the things you believe in. It was an incredible conversation. If you would like to connect with Mantis, you can find him on Instagram at mantis underscore tarot, or you can head to his website, mantistarot.com. Mantis did an extended behind the scenes interview with me about his new book, Truly Easy Tarot, And if you'd like to read that Q&A, it is available in the Truth issue of Diviner Magazine. Links for both of the magazine and Mantis's book are in the show notes below. 
While you're out there clicking around on the internet, make sure that you take some time to follow me on Instagram at The Diviner Life and learn more about my offerings on thedivinerlife.com. By the way, I know you love the show, so just be honest about it. Go ahead and leave a rating and a review wherever it is that you're listening from. To learn how you can become a supporting patron of the show, you can also check out thedivinerlife.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening. Remember to share with your friends, your fellow desert dwellers, evolutionary philosophers, or whoever else you may come in contact with today. Don't forget that I love you. I appreciate you. And until next time, be true, be you, be ominous.